As you all know, Sharp Football Analysis is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. NFL playoff and college football bowl packages are now available. Visit sharpfootballanalysis.com to take advantage of Warren's lifetime NFL playoffs record, which hits at a 64% clip. And we're throwing in a special benefit this year to all fantasy content is going to be free for subscribers throughout the playoffs. Get it now at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar and TA, the team over here at Sharp Football Analysis. Guys, here we are. We did it. Week 17. Um, it's exciting that uh, this is like a mix of the preseason and the playoffs in, in one week. Uh, some teams have a lot to play for. Some teams have absolutely nothing to play for. Uh, we're here. We, we did it. This is the end of the regular season. So uh, how are we doing? Yeah, happy New Year's, guys. Uh, yeah, we, we didn't have preseason this year, so this is kind of fun. We might get to see some guys we wouldn't have seen in a typical season. You know, week 17 is always like a, a real fun, like popular DFS week as well for people. You know, we've had like the Rex Burkhead game a few years ago that kind of got him on the map. You get to play some odds and end guys. We've already seen some guys that are going to be sitting out. And from a betting perspective, we've got a lot of moving parts this week. Uh, and I know the TA has some nuggets to drop there, but it's a, it's a rare, real weird week always in the NFL with teams playing. So next week, we're gonna, next season, we'll have a week 18 to add on to this. Yeah, like Rich said, oh yeah, first off, Happy New Year. I mean, I can't believe you made it this far without any canceled games, although my Browns get to week 17 and uh, we're starting to trending potentially. <laughs> I mean, who knows if they move that game to Monday? I don't know at this point, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, been a great year. I'm kind of sad. It's going to be our last red zone opportunity of the year, uh, last red zone Sunday, which, which I never uh, want to face. But, um, yeah, it's, it kind of came fast. And week 17 is uh, crazy. I mean, uh, I, I think since they moved to all division games, it's kind of set up even um, better matchups because uh, there's so much on the line. And, I, and there's only really one team in the Chiefs that is locked into their playoff seed. Uh, everybody else is kind of everything's up for grabs for the most part. So, um, you know, we're going to see some interesting matchups and some, you know, you just kind of have to dig in to see who's motivated, who's not. And, um, you know, don't avoid the don't automatically assume that the team that's motiv- that's motivated the most is going to win and cover. I mean, we talked about it last week a little bit, but, you know, teams that, um, are completely out of the playoff race going up against a team that has to win to make the playoffs. Um, the team that has to win is 40% against the spread since 1990. I mean, it's, it's not an automatic year. And we've seen the last five years, straight five straight years, a team that was a seven or more uh, point uh, favorite has lost outright. So not just not covered, lost outright. So we got a couple candidates this, this week that we could talk about, but um, you know, don't, don't just assume that, um, you know, the team that, that has to win is going to win. And uh, the team that's not motivated is just going to fall over. I think there's going to be some uh, interesting results on, on Sunday. Yeah, it's always just you know, week 17, just looking at it, just from trying to figure out what is going on is just always, you just you never know. You never know who's playing. Um, we've started to get some of that coming out. We know Pittsburgh's not playing basically anyone that matters, although – you know, I guess they did have 
started to look like a, a good Steelers team, but now well, we won't see that. But uh, when, when we start looking at this slate, like it, what is there even to uh, dive into? Are there anything that really stands out to you guys as, as we look here? Uh, or are we just kind of just picking things we, we might like um, or – and, and hoping for the best as someone who, uh, you know, me personally, who, you know, is not the, of the three of us, not, not uh, a far third place um, in betting experience on this uh, podcast. Uh, what, what are we really looking at uh, when we start to dive in specifically into week 17 this week? Well, I mean, we can't start a week 17. Is it, we're bookending these podcasts with the Giants. I mean, we're, <laughs> I mean, we started week one and we discussed the Giants and now we're going to end the uh, season. I, you know, I haven't. I don't love the Giants generally, but I just think that this line, three-point line, is inflated. Um, now I think it's dropped down to one and a half. So some really sharp money, I know, has come on the Giants here when it hit three. So now it's down to one and a half. I uh, wouldn't shock me if they're favored by game time, but um, yeah, a little little uh, uh, recency bias. We obviously the the Cowboys are on a little three-game win streak, but who, who have they beaten? I mean, they beat the terrible Bengals. Um, uh, they went and they beat the 49ers and that was a game that they were outgained and really outplayed. It was just a turnover issue. I mean, Nick Mullins turned it over a bunch of times. And then last week against uh, the Eagles who literally didn't have a secondary left, um, you know, they, they played well, Dallas did and, and, and they won, but now you finally face a good defense. Um, you know, good enough yeah. defense in the <laughs> good enough scrappy defense. Um, and I just think that, you know, Daniel Jones is not hundred percent healthy. We know that, but, you know, at this point, he's got to be healthy enough to, to make some plays with his feet. He's not going to be a complete statue, I don't think. Um, and I just think the Giants, look who they face. I mean, a tough Cardinals team um, when Daniel Jones couldn't move at all. He should not have played that game. Um, they lost that one. Um, and then they had to face the Browns and the Ravens. I mean, Browns with, with Colt McCoy and the Ravens um, you know, is just always a tough matchup. So I think when you compare kind of who they face in, these, in the last couple of games and and I think the, the, essentially the wrong team is favored here. And Dallas is a public team in general, and we know that. And it's interesting because my personally, you know, I wrote an article back uh, right before Thanksgiving about how, I think we talked about it, how Dallas to me was the favorite. I mean, they were, I think they were third in division odds. You're getting, you were getting. Do you have tickets? I, I have a small ticket on one that's plus 300. And then I didn't pull the trigger. They were 25 to one, I think two weeks ago. And I even mentioned it. I, I just didn't pull the trigger because I was like, ah. You know, uh, I just just felt didn't didn't feel feel good about it. But um, you know, they had the Washington easy... beat Pittsburgh. It really looked like it was. Oh. Not, it really looked like it was not going <laughs> to. When when I was thinking about it at the time, they were facing Washington in the Thanksgiving game. I thought they they beat Washington. They would be the favorite at that point. But losing that game really hurt everything. And then yeah, like you mentioned, Washington the next week, you know, went into Pittsburgh. So, I, but so it's kind of a weird di- <laughs> dynamic here. Got a, got a little bit of a ticket on Dallas, but uh, I think individ- this individual game perspective, you know, separate from that, um, I think the Giants is the right side. So I don't know what you guys think of that. I just think at home, um, you know, I don't know what the weather is like. I don't think the weather is, I don't think the weather is, is terrible, but it's certainly not, you know, an indoor, you know, Dallas type of thing. So that can't help Dallas. I just think they're, like I said, a little bit overrated here. And then, you know, they do have some injuries on the defensive side of the ball. I think Van Der Esch may not play. There's some other guys. Um, I don't, still don't think they're a perfect team, but uh, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on who you think is going to win that one. Yeah, I'm curious to see if Dan, you know, you know, what he believes the status of Daniel Jones is because he, he didn't run again when he played. He, had, he ran just one time. 
on that. And because, I mean, just such a big part of their offense, which is not a very good offense to begin with, uh, yeah. you know, in terms of scoring touchdowns. And, you know, it, if he's not getting you, you know, before he had the injury to Arizona, I mean, he's averaging five carries, 37 yards rushing per game. And you say, well, that's not a big deal, but it, it is kind of. And you, you, you can't run the RPOs that they were infusing into the offense. It's not like they were heavily reliant on that, but just when you just don't have that element, We've seen like their their wide receivers just don't really win enough on their own to get open. Uh, then you just have to rely on the passing acumen of Daniel Jones. It's it's really hard because uh, it's not there's not any dynamic running backs either, and it helps the the running back run game too as well. Because this is a team you want to come and just run the ball on Dallas. Like you want they're not really good against the pass either, but you can really run the football on them. And uh, you know they've kind of gotten away from that the past couple weeks. Uh, the Galman Express, uh, you know, he was they were hot. They were running. They ran all over Seattle with just kind of basic run schemes. Um, and you see that stuff just really can't sustain itself over the course of an NFL season without the creativity and without you know top edge top edge talent, which they don't have. So I'm curious to see if Dan believes that Daniel Jones is even really fully healthy enough to really kind of open up this offense and kind of be back into it. And then can they really get enough stops is the, you know, kind of where the next question is Uh, because the Dallas passing game has been, I mean, they, they have faced some light opponents, but they've been better and they were good against the Ravens on that Tuesday night game. They just couldn't, you know, punch in, you know, Greg Zerline misses four kicks. They can't, they struggle in the red zone, but they moved the ball in that game pretty effectively and through the air. Uh, so, I mean, it's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of swaying towards Dallas. And I think maybe just mentally I've gotten in my head that, like, I just don't want to watch another Washington or Giants football game yeah, at past this that. weekend. <laughs> um, no, I think Dallas but, yeah. is the most fun, especially if they play Tampa. That, see, that's a Saturday night game, by the way. You can just pencil that in very well. But I agree with you from a pure yeah. fan, like, just what's the best viewing pleasure on, <laughs> in the playoffs is definitely Dallas, no doubt. Yeah, but always so, Dallas is overvalued, like you said. So, yeah. uh, we'll yeah, again, three's, three's a key number. Like, you know, at one and a half, uh, I'm not sure. But at three, if you can even buy it up to three, that's the number that you got to really pay attention to. I mean, because they can still lose and obviously push at worst. But, um, yeah, that number is pretty big here. Yeah, so Daniel Jones definitely is not completely healthy. But I don't think that should take away as much of the offense as it has. Like even the Daniel Jones rushing statistics, like so much of that comes from the start of the season when defenses really had no idea that, you know, a read option might be in the Giants playbook. Um, and I think we remember the the 80 whatever yard run against the Eagles. And that skews a whole bunch of Daniel Jones, you know, per carry uh, stats, one 80 yard run when he's not running, you know, all that much uh, to begin with. So when you have, uh, you know, some of those plays that are in there, they certainly do help. But it, it's not like that's something that was propelling the Giants offense uh, like crazy because they still weren't a great offense while he was doing that. And I think once defenses were able to even prepare for that back when he was healthy, that wasn't as big of a part of the offense as it was earlier in the season when defenses just weren't thinking about that as an option at all. So I, I'm not sure if that is huge. Obviously, the big part of that is 
Daniel Jones being able to escape in the pocket. He has bad pr- pocket presence to begin with. So when you take away a mobility to potentially escape edge rushers, then that's where it really hurts. And that's where it really hurt against Arizona. Although those guys were in so quickly, I don't think a healthy Daniel Jones would have mattered in that game anyway, because uh, he was getting hit like three seconds after the snap. Um, so it, he wasn't escaping those sacks to begin with. So, and then when you add that into, like Rich said, this, the skill position players just are not good, especially when put in the the offensive system that they have right now. And I wrote about this uh, in the Football Outsiders Almanac. I did the Giants chapter, and just you could see this coming. Jason Garrett is not a scheme them open a type of offensive coordinator, and the Giants just don't have anyone who gets open on their own. So you have all of these short routes. You, if you go back and watch any Giants all twenty-two, it's like it's routes that stop like five yards past the line of scrimmage there's maybe one deep route that Daniel Jones doesn't get to in his progression before the ball gets out before he thinks he's going to get hit so it's just it's a mess offensively and I think when you look at this game Dallas just has the best the Dallas offense is the best unit uh in this game that easily I think they've kind of figured out that you constructing an offense no matter who the quarterback is around Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup. Just, it shouldn't be that hard. And I think they've kind of figured that out. I, they've they've worked to get those guys into space. They've gotten into scheme them open, and they have three guys who can get open on their own. So I think they've figured out how to get that passing game moving a little more. So as bad as the defenses they've faced have been, um, I think they've sort of figured that out. And when we looked at the the Giants defense, like they were playing bad offenses also during that streak when everyone thought the Giants defense was great. And they, they are this thing like Rich, we've brought this up. I think the, the, the Brian Flores in Miami last year with Patrick Graham, they're doing a lot of cool things. They just don't have the talent. And I think the talent is finally getting to the Giants these past couple games where they're still doing a lot of cool things defensively. They just don't have the talent to back it up. That really uh, happened last week against Baltimore. They were trying to do, you know, all of the things they were doing earlier in the season. uh, But when you're, trying to defend against Lamar Jackson, you can't do it. And I think uh, it was Blake Martinez who said after the game, the Ravens were just uh, running their motion at the snap. And that was taking the Giants out of their responsibilities. That really screwed them up. So I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see a little more motion out of Dallas. I think they're going to try to uh, just put the Giants in a bind and pick where the Giants are weak. And th- there's still, you know, defense is still a weak link position. And the Giants still have a lot of weak links um, in, in that secondary, especially um, and they have no edge rush at all. So I think you're going to see Andy Dalton with a lot of clean pockets. I think you're going to see him have time to get the ball to the receivers. And I'm not sure the Giants have enough to uh, to stop that. So uh, I, I'm definitely going to lean the Cowboys here because I just think that that offense, especially the way they've kind of figured it out the past couple of games, is easily the best unit in this game. And just I mentioned Van Der Esch as an injury. Um, Antoine Woods, a defensive tackle, um, is potentially out. And then a couple of safeties. I mean, Xavier Woods. Um, who's been one of their has probably been their best safety, Darian Thompson. They both are uh, potentially not playing. So maybe this is an Evan Ingram game, uh, Dan. Pro I don't Bowl, know. Pro Bowl Evan Ingram. Pro Bowl. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this at the end. I mean, I as one of the few Evan Ingram defenders, there's no way he should have made the Pro Bowl. But I, I don't trust the Giants to send him any further than five yards past the line of scrimmage. Uh, so, you would, yeah, you would think with the linebackers and safeties out, that's the time you send the tie down down the seam. Uh, but I wouldn't trust Jason Garrett to do that at all. So, I mean, that's, that's just kind of where you are with the Giants when you're, you're like, there are things that could work. They just, that's not what they do. Yeah. 
Will it matter for either of these teams in the end, uh, you know, is the question. You know, well, the draft I'm, position difference, right, is huge. What, I mean, Dan, you probably know, like, if if the Giants lose, I mean, it's top 10 pick, obviously. Like, it might be, like, top – I mean, I mean, they're, they're – They could potentially points. get all the way up to three if, like, That's everyone insane. else loses. But, yeah, I mean, and no team in the NFC East should want to win the division right now. I just – I don't see how that – especially a team like the Giants, who we know is bad, at least with the Cowboys, you have the potential of Dak coming back and you could be good. You could build some, you know, I'm not going to say momentum, but just a a structure that like what Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore are doing, maybe kind of work. You get a new defensive coordinator in there, hopefully. And and maybe that kind of sets you up thinking you didn't make a terrible decision going into the season. But if you're Washington, who's going to need a quarterback, you're the Giants who needs a lot of things and the Eagles who I well the Eagles are eliminated but you know none of those teams should want to win this division right. and just get blown out in in the wild card round I don't see how that helps any of these these teams are all bad so it, it's not like this is like a, a tank or a compete uh, type of uh, decision you make before the season uh, all these teams are still bad so I don't think any of them benefit from from winning the division the only thing with Dallas is, you know, they presumably already have their quarterback, their franchise quarterback, we think. Um, and so, you know, Jerry, Jerry's not going to – Jerry wants that, that playoff game. Um, so he's clearly not going to want them to lose. But um, so for them, you know, they're not, they're not tanking for a quarterback or anything like that. So they probably are, of all the teams, most incentivized, I guess, to win this division. But, yeah, the difference between making the playoffs and, and getting a top, you know – five to eight. I mean, that's crazy. You're talking about like a uh, 13 to 14 spot difference for the giants potentially here. Uh, So that would be, that'd be dramatic, but um, I don't know. I guess that's enough of talking about this giants. Dallas. Yeah. Does it? it, When I asked if it matters, I asked because of the Sunday night game, you know, obviously if Washington wins, they're in is, I mean, are the Eagles a, a live enough dog here? Obviously, the yeah. biggest mismatch in this game is the Washington defensive line versus this Philadelphia offensive line. But, you know, the, with the amount of injuries the past two weeks, the Eagles have sustained on the back end. We've seen it last week. I mean, Darius Slay comes back. He's boxing Amari Cooper in the first half of that game. They're just just picking on this kid, Michael J- Michael Jaquette. Uh, and then they move Slay to Gallup, and then they just immediately still just keep throwing at the other guy. Like, they just like, yeah, that's fine. Do that, uh, which we don't see enough teams do. Uh, at least Dallas had enough offensive foresight to do that. But can Washington – like, well, one thing is, will Washington have a pass game that can exploit this? No. Yeah, know, I, I'm not sure if it's going to matter. Yeah, yeah, do, yeah it does especially it? Does if, it if, even? Especially if McCordin uh, isn't going to play. Uh, I think he's in a walking boot is mm-hmm. uh, the most recent update. So he's questionable. I mean, who are you going to throw at these corners? Uh, yeah. Especially if you're probably starting uh, Taylor Heineke, a quarterback. I just like, I, it, this has to be like a JD McKissick, Antonio Gibson game, right? Like you have to be running like two backs and throwing uh, flats and as someone and who anything ha- to, uh, <laughs> to, yeah. to the running backs. Cause I think that's the only way you can generate passing in this game. As someone who played a lot of Cam Sims last week on DraftKings, at like the, <laughs> almost the, the nut he minimum, two. he dropped to hit. I mean, it's like there were a couple times he was wide open, and, and you know, Dwayne Haskins ugh, just just doesn't even look at him. He almost had a touchdown too. Yeah, he should have had a long touchdown. But um, anyway, I, yeah, I can't imagine without McLaren and Alex Smith, there's no, they're not going to be a favorite when this thing closes. It would be um, the Eagles here. But even if Alex Smith does play, I mean, the guy can't move. Uh, right now so he's gonna be a sitting duck against a really good 
Eagles pass rush. Like that is their strength, right? Their defensive line. Now Fletcher Cox may not play, who knows? Yeah. And that's the other thing is when he left so the, that game last week too, it shifted. Yep. And here's the thing. Okay. So you're the Eagle, the Eagles, we know um, pretty well that they are a very um, analytically um, based front office. One of, you know, maybe uh, not the most, but one of the top five, I guess, uh, in the NFL in terms of analytics. I mean, analytics would tell you don't try and win this game like there's no re- now I haven't looked at this you know the standings so I don't know if it makes that much of a difference but there's no reason for them to really win except for if you think Jalen Hurts needs you need one more kind of audition to see if he's the quarterback of the future but otherwise like there's really no reason to play a lot of your starters here but I think they will it sounds like they will so that's kind of a unique um, thing here to pay attention to if they start announcing guys sitting in the next couple of days, obviously, that they'll kind of tilt it and one way. Do the way. Eagles have enough depth to not play their starters? Yeah. No, you're <laughs> like, right. I, I, I mean, think they, they kind of are not playing their starters, but by necessity, right. <laughs> they're already doing that. But I think if, if they are full go, and and if even if Alex Smith plays, I think the Eagles are the, are the side here. I haven't bet it, but um, I think if you can get the Eagles in a tease to seven and a half, could be a pretty – you could actually do a, a, an NFC East uh, teaser special with the Giants and the Eagles here. I think, you know, neither one's going to be a blowout from from that perspective. So, um, you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea. But, yeah, I think the, the Eagles are definitely live. And, yeah, the pass rush for Washington is great. But, you know, you do have a running quarterback. That obviously is the ultimate uh, equalizer. So, um, you know, that's going to help things. And it's just – you know, I know Warren's pointed out that the, the Washington second half defense is has been incredible. I think they're the best in the NFL the last like second half of the season. They've only allowed like 44 points in the second half. So they make great adjustments. So they one did other last week, too. I mean, Carolina yeah. was, you know, up early and they got boned on a fumble return six too that was blown dead in that game too. Uh, Washington did. But yeah, they shut down the Panthers in the second yeah. half of that game to almost get back into it, kind of, you know, obviously if that fumble counts. So it's. Um, I so do the love Eagles. Washington unders too. All <laughs> well, you got to worry about defensive touchdowns, right? With Washington games yeah. both ways. That's the problem. Chase Young yeah, on absolutely. one side. And then, you know, if you got Heineke or, you know, Haskins on the other side, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe that's a Sunday night game. I, I would have loved to see the Browns Steelers personally, but, or even the Rams Cardinals. And we could talk about that one, but you know, that's a winner winner gets in essentially. Right. So, um, you know, that one should have been, that one I think should have been the Sunday night and said so we, we we end this crappy season with well, they both could lose uh and get in still in that game too I think that maybe that's why they did it but oh. I, obviously on paper it was the best matchup with yeah it's the only it's the only thing where at 820 Eastern there would be a win and in everything else is contingent yeah. on everybody right. else so True. Washington is the only team that at Sunday night will be winning in no matter what. So that's, that's why they yeah. did it. Gotcha. Well, let's talk about, so um, you guys have any thought we were, we were talking before the show about the Cardinals Rams, right? I mean, we, I think Kyler Murray's going to play, but it looks like, uh, well, that doesn't look like a John Wofford will start for the Rams. And, you know, I know from my college uh, watching some of the college games, the last handful of years that he was a athletic quarterback, running quarterback with Wake Forest. He's a dual threat. You know, I looked this up because I said, you know, um, commented that it just feels like all these quarterbacks lately that are making their first start tend to not only cover, but a lot of times they win. And it's a lot. I mean, almost every time they're underdogs. Right. And I looked it up just real quickly here during the show. Eight of the last nine quarterbacks are making their, their first start have covered 14 out of the last 17. 
And we could just look in the last two years alone. I mean, you saw Jalen Hurts against the Saints. I mean, they were big underdogs. Not only did they cover, they won outright. Um, we saw uh, Brandon Allen last year against the Browns. Um, not only did they cover, but they won outright. We saw Philip Walker, I mean, against the Lions a couple, couple weeks ago. Even Jake Luton, okay, they, they, they were a seven-point underdog, I believe, against Houston. He oh, covered. No, it was Houston. Yeah, it was Houston. Yeah, and then Garrett Gilbert, uh, they played at home against the, the Steelers mm-hmm. and should have won that game. They covered. I mean, Tua against the Rams, they won outright by 11. Brett Rippon, I mean, it was the Jets, but he came in on a Thursday night cold and won outright. Justin Herbert almost beat the Chiefs this year in, his, in, in that surprise start. So you get these guys, even Drew Locke last year against the Chargers, you get these guys that – you know, there's no film on, um, especially the ones that can move. I mean, that's the, and I know I'm, I'm bumping into Rich's territory here with the, the mobile quarterbacks, but you know, you get a guy who can move like that in that system. And I think of all, I mean, Shanahan might be the other one, but of all the offensive coordinators and, and head coaches in the NFL, that's who you want coaching you up is, is a guy like McVay. And he's got a system in place that, you know, feels like a lot of quarterbacks can do well. And I think, you know, you get them in these bootleg situations, you know, he's, you know, freaking Jared Goff just refuses to run. I mean, he could have 10 yards in front of him for a first down and he will not run. I mean, he will just either throw it away or making, I mean, that, that throw, that interception last week in the red zone was one of the worst. <laughs> I was I've a Rams seen. better. So yeah, uh, same with me. And and so it's like, you know, maybe you get a guy like Wofford who can turn that into a 10 yard scamper. Like I think that can make a lot of difference and I'm not buying this car. This Cardinals offense is just a joke. Um, this, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, I, I don't know if, I mean, I know he's not the answer uh, with the Cardinals. And, I, you know, against that Rams defense, I think it's going to give him a lot of problems. I think the Rams here are probably the right side. They're underdogs now. And I yeah, think Walford's going to play well. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. But I think that, that just the, the fact that there's no film on this guy, the fact that he's in a good system. I mean, it sucks that Cooper Cup's not playing. But, you know, they can rely on the run game and, like I said, the bootlegs and use the tight ends. I think they can – I think they've got a shot to win this game. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they do. We almost would have got Chris Streveler as well in this game, which would have been the ultimate uh, Week 17 Konami Bowl from the CFL, the Grey Cup champion. This guy, uh, he's not, not going to play. It looks like Kyler's going to play. But this dude is like – he's like a, a 6'3". Like he's, he's like a huge brick house. He just runs at people. It looks like – I tweeted uh, some clips of him. It looks like he's playing prison ball. He can't really throw, but it would have been fun to see what he would have done in this offense. I'm worried for a couple – of aspects on the Arizona side but you know Walford is interesting because he can move he ran for 1200 yards his final two years at at Wake Forest and that's you know including sack yardage uh he played well in the preseason he is in the AAF uh, and ran for over 20 yards per game in the AAF uh and the Cardinals have really struggled with mobile quarterbacks all season I mean they're 30th in rushing yards allowed to opposing quarterbacks they faced a guy making not his first career start but his first start of the season last week and CJ Beathard and you know CJ Beathard got out the gates he only ran for 18 yards but extended some plays and they had trouble stopping him uh but on the other side with this Kyler phantom leg injury thing like we've already seen like if Kyler's not going to run around like we talked about Daniel Jones and the impact that like you know the, the marginal impact he has for his little RPOs that he runs a couple of game Kyler when this when he was not using his legs that three game stretch when he had the shoulder injury that offense was just a train wreck and if he's not going to be full health and it's a Rams defense that he struggled against throwing the ball last time they played and a lot of people have because it's a good just a good defense in totality four and a half yards for pass attempt he had that when these teams played last time he had the three passing touchdowns that kind of skewed his overall production but completed you know under 54 percent of his passes um I think it's more of a question on the offensive side you know can Cliff is Cliff just outmatched here against you know uh this defense 
Um, and I think from us, we talked about the Cardinals last week too versus Shanahan and talked about, you know, Shanahan just being worth more points than Cliff at this point. I clearly think McVay is worth more points than Cliff. Uh, and then the last three times these teams have played, I mean, he is just, they would shed it, the Cardinals, especially from, from a schematic stance with Goff. So I think you can get Wal- Walford moving around. I think that they're very live to still outright win this game, even though it's, you know, shifted back. I mean, adding Cooper Cup hurts as well. It looks like they might get Andrew Whitworth back though. There's a chance that he might play. He's practicing. Uh, so we'll see. And they don't have Akers. They don't have Darrell Henderson. So they're missing some offensive bodies. So it's going to have to really be a McVay show his stripes game. Yeah, this is going to be real interesting on for the, the Arizona offense. Like you said, if, if Kyler can't move and can't run, um, because that is so much of their running game. But the other thing is, you know, of all the things that haven't worked well in the passing game, Arizona has been a really good running team. It's a really well-schemed-up running team um, during uh, Cliff Kingsbury's tenure. Pretty much since he came into the league, he's been able to scheme up the run game really well. And I think that's something that could potentially work uh, against the Rams uh, just kind of by design with that good scheme uh, with the Rams defense that uh, if you read the uh, the Brandon Saley piece from Robert Mays uh, at The Athletic uh, that came out uh, yesterday, um, a really good piece where he talked to Brandon Staley just kind of about his philosophy on defense and so much of it is we've kind of seen. They want to have those, those two-on-ones in the passing game and it leaves them with one-on-ones in the run game. They use light boxes on defense more than any other team in the league. And what the Cardinals have done uh, is been able to spread teams out use those light boxes against defenses and have a really good uh, run run game, uh, even when the passing game isn't working. So this might be like a, a Kenyon Drake game, and that might be Arizona's best way to stay um, in this game. And I think you see, and we have no idea what John Wofford is. I think we'll, we'll be excited. It'll be nice to see someone other than Jared Goff run that offense. Um, and this is coming from someone who uh, had, two weeks ago said the Rams were the best team uh, in the NFC. And that take has gone real well uh, since I said that and then doubled down on it last week. So good job me um, as we go, th- as we go through this. Um, so I think this might be, you know, a lower scoring game than we're used to. And I think that might play into Arizona's hands a little bit, um, being able to use that run game to keep the ball moving. Um, it's the lowest I, total of the week. Yeah. I think, I think that that makes a, a lot of sense because we, we you know, within two days ago, we were expecting two backup quarterbacks. Now we are still seeing Wofford will have a not hundred percent Kyler in there. Um, so I think, and you know, when you, I don't, I don't think the passing game is going to be doing much. Uh, we've, we've talked about the, the Arizona passing game a, a lot this season. I wrote about it way back, uh, like early in the season about how it's so much, you know, DeAndre Hopkins iso ball because that's really the only option they have they still don't have those receivers they haven't really figured out a way to make those receivers good and I think they've tried I think there have been efforts to make those those secondary receivers be in roles that could potentially help an offense and those guys just they just can't do it so and then when you go up against the Rams and you have someone like Jalen Ramsey who can play against DeAndre Hopkins and just stay to that one side, uh, I think we are going to see a low-scoring game. But I think the the Arizona rushing offense might just be able to to keep these things going. So I am not sure if it's you know as lopsided as as we might see with that Rams defense and a struggling Arizona offense. Also interesting because those are going to be 
I think they can still both make the playoffs if Chicago loses to Green Bay. And I'm not sure we know how much Green Bay uh, is going to be playing their starters. Um, but if, if Chicago wins, it looks like they're going to be in. But if Chicago loses, I think still both um, Arizona and the Rams have a chance to get in the playoffs. So uh, it's just going to be real interesting to watch because both these teams really do have something to play for. It's not a win and end for, for either one of these guys. Uh, so well, is there any other... Um, is there any other game you guys are, are looking at on this slate? There's, there's really and pretty much every other game on this slate is one team that has something to play for, one team uh, that, that really doesn't. Uh, so we're not sure how competitive those, those games are going to be. Is, is there anything else that you guys might be looking at? Well, I was going to say, maybe we should just do this. So there's a bucket of games that are like kind of big spread, um, you know, one team that has nothing to play for versus a team that does, you know, and I think, I mean, we, like I said, five straight years of a team that is a seven or more favorite losing outright. I mean, I guess there's probably one stronger candidate than the rest, but between, um, you know, Baltimore, Cincinnati, um, you can maybe throw in Atlanta, Tampa in there. Um, you, you know, you've got uh, Tennessee, Houston, uh, Jacksonville, and Indy. Any of those teams, even Carolina and New Orleans, if you want, uh, who among those is the most likely candidate to lose? I mean, I personally would say, I think uh, Houston at seven and a half is a, is a pretty nice number, assuming obviously Deshaun Watson is going to play. Um, you know, we, we've talked about the Titans. I've, I've hit that, uh, that over a million times because they've gone over. Almost, I mean, they should have gone over last week. I, I got, you know, I'll, I'll admit I made a mistake. You know, you had asked me, Rich, on air with uh, what the weather looked like at the time. The weather was clear. Uh, the snow was going <laughs> to – no, I looked, cause I looked it up. I, I, I took that over. It was clear over. for the Packers. <laughs> I know. I took that over the night before and I looked at the weather and said, okay, it was supposed to stop snowing like earlier in the day. It was supposed to be like in the thirties and, and no, not a lot of wind. And I hit that over at 56. And then as the day started to come, you know, I think by Thursday, Friday, it was like, okay, we're going to get a snow game here and it's supposed to be 15, 20 mile hour winds. And that total dropped to 52 by kick and ended up, you know, they did cover the 52, but not the 56. But anyway, that defense for the Titans is just atrocious. Now they will be able to run all over a terrible, even worse Houston run defense but I think with a bad defense like the Titans you know covering a seven and a half point spread against a quarterback like Deshaun Watson and an offense that can move the ball I think it's too many points so I'm going to be on Houston here I think that is the most likely kind of upset um, of the weekend um, in terms of these big spreads I mean I can't see Jacksonville winning although they don't have any incentive to lose anymore so I'm not sure if that matters um, so they'll, they'll play they'll play hard I'm, and I'm positive with Gardner Minshew they'll play hard um, I can see Indy being a little bit tight that game being closer than people imagine, but I, I mean, I can't imagine them losing outright. Uh, I don't see, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens just, they just abuse every bad team that they face. They just torch every bad team. So I don't see the, the Bengals went in there. So those are probably, you know, Houston's probably the one among that bucket of teams. I mean, I like Atlanta uh, getting six and a half. I think they're just, just a feisty team, even without Julio Jones, they've kind of adapted now and they've got an improving defense. I mean, they, their, their totals go under every week almost because their defense is a lot better than you would think. And Raheem Morris is playing really uh, is coaching really well since he's taken over. So I think that those would be the two candidates uh, of that kind of group of teams that uh, could pull the upset here. I definitely like Houston just because the Watson factor and they've been a huge dog a couple weeks. Oh, they were, you know, since Wolf Fuller kind of exited the season, they were a dog and they could have won outright against the Colts. Then they, they, they were, they got blown out by the bears 
And then they were a huge dog against the Colts, and they could have covered one outright again. And last week they got too much juice the other way, and you know, they ended up losing to the Bengals. But anytime you get Deshaun Watson plus a touchdown, I mean, not the worst thing to have. Uh, you know, they can move the ball, especially on this Titans defense, and they played tight games with the with Watson under center. You know, they had the one blowout with AJ McCarron end last year, but I mean, they played tight. They they beat them last year. Uh, and then this year they go to overtime. I remember the overtime to Sean Watson, they lose the coin toss and he was just so mad because they weren't getting stopped and they, he knew that they weren't going to stop Derrick Henry. Uh, but yeah, I do think that the seven and a half there is, is kind of intriguing when you're looking at these, you know, low underdogs, it is hard, like you said, to just pinpoint the other teams, Atlanta, you know, I mean, is what would be the other one potentially maybe San Francisco, but they just struggle so much with teams that can move the ball vertically through the air. Uh, and they've been awesome against teams that don't. And this is why they stopped the horizontal raid last week. Um, you know, no Trent Detroit, Williams is, yeah, huge, no Trent Williams. Loss. I mean, D- Detroit, like a, they might be playing like they're, Who's betting any money on Detroit at this point? Like right well, in Minnesota, it doesn't really fall in the category because the Vikings are out of it. So I'm kind of ignoring the, those, you know, a team like that. But yeah. The, the, the... Yeah, it's tough, though, to pinpoint one of these other go- other teams. I think the Packers are great laying the points here. I feel like the, I think that spread should be way higher than what it is. Uh, and it really hasn't moved, which is weird, too, as well. Um, I mean, the, the Packers aren't a great defense, but. These defenses, the Bears have beaten the, you know, over the stretch are like the, the literally the bottom three defenses in the entire NFL. Like not even just like bad defenses, like the absolute worst of the worst defenses. The Bears are, you know, they've scored 30 points in four straight games. The first time they've done that since they had Gale Sayers on the roster. Uh, and they just, but you look at these teams and they're all terrible defending the intermediate pass the Jaguars, the Vikings, the Lions, the Texans. And that's where Mitch has been awesome. Like, you know, he's been really good on the intermediate pass since he's been on this hot streak, and he's still awful moving the ball anywhere downfield. Like, his, his, pass, his passes and quarterback rating on throws over 15 yards down further are in the bottom five of the league, and he's in the top five of the league in intermediate throws. Uh, it's, it's not like the Packers are a world beater, but they are markedly better than the defenses that the Bears have faced the past month. Uh, and I don't see that that really that they are going to be able. I think it's going to be that the Bears just aren't going to be able to pace them early enough in the game, uh, and it'll be the pull away game. So you'd only be worrying about the back door. And at five and a half, like it's not that big of a deal. Um, what was the spread when they played the, in Week Twelve? It had to have been way more than this. I think it was seven and a half. I believe was it? Yeah. And it was in Green Bay, so I guess yeah, it didn't really oscillate that. But that much, game was but, a. Uh, I mean, I think it was forty-one twenty, but yes. it was like, wasn't it like twenty-one-three half or something? It was well, like... in the Trubisky in the fourth quarter had a better game in the fourth quarter than he had through three quarters of the game. Uh, that was all garbage production. But uh, I, I mean, even my Bears, the turn in week seventeen, they turned my back <laughs> on the Bears who I overdrafted in that uh, draft we did, in, in hoping that they can get a win. I just don't think that they're anywhere, anywhere in the class of uh, of an offense that to pace the Packers. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I think we're getting a little bit uh, above. I think overinflated on the Bears side. Um, that line probably should be closer to seven. But uh, yeah, the Bears defense has really struggled. I mean, who cares about what happened with Jacksonville? They they have not stopped many teams. Like they're they're overrated and they they don't have Jalen Johnson, Buster Screen. They're missing a couple secondary guys. I think. You know, Aaron Rodgers motivated. I think they want to win this game, obviously, to get the number one. It's so huge, that number one seed. 
this year with the bye week that I, I, I wish think... they were keeping it, man. I kind of like the seven and the one spot yeah. mattering. I agree. I agree. And so, I mean, I, I, the thing with, I know you, you tweeted about Trubisky last week because of the whole, not you, but everybody did about uh, the extension. My, my, my only thing was I, I did see, I do see, you know, if you put Mitch Trubisky in the Browns bootleg offense or in that 49ers offense, or, you know, I think that's the type of offense you have to put him in to succeed. And I think, you know, he could be, could he be, you know, on the level of Baker Mayfield this year, you know, maybe if you put him in that yeah. type of offense, like, I, you know, again, you don't want to give the guy, you're not giving the guy, you know, a Patrick Mahomes uh, extension here. You just, you know, if you give him another year, make it incentive laden, maybe make it a two year deal, whatever you want to do. Very short term, non guaranteed money. I have no problem with them bringing, bringing him back as long as they also go and draft another quarterback. I mean, you have That's to draft. The key. Like, yeah. Between him and Drew Locke, like you, you, if you guys want to roll those guys back and you feel like you are in a spot where you're not going to get a top guy, but like if, you just can't let those guys roadblock you now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 make it change your. But I have no problem putting him in. I mean, think about it. He, he, that's how. That's what I thought about uh, Marcus Mariota. I wanted the Browns in the offseason to to bring him in as competition. I thought he would excel in that type of Stefanski bootleg offense. I still do. Um, I think he's a is a solid quarterback, and he can you know be a reclamation project. I think Trubisky kind of falls in that same category. That you know maybe that Ryan Tannehill type of uh, you know um, second life. I don't know. Uh, I'm not ready to, I don't love the guy, but I, I think he, he has shown me something, you know, against that Houston uh, defense. I mean, he really picked them apart, but that was the, t- he did a lot of like bootleg, a lot of moving. I, I thought it was pretty good. And again, Dan, I know you've kind of gone a little more extensive on this. So if you want to hit on that, but I, I just think that, you know, against, you know, the, the Packers that are playing a lot better defense of late, um, you know, this will be a different, different outcome, but uh you know, if you want to bring back Trubisky for one more year for his competition with a rookie, I have no problems with it. Yeah, Trubisky just still is who he is. He's, I think he's still the same quarterback, and they've just kind of figured out. They have started to put in that, you know, that Shanahan Stefanski type of like wide zone play action offense over these past couple of weeks. And that's really where he's had his you know, success because they've, you know, used that play action way more than they were um, earlier in the season. They're starting to create more open throws for him in that intermediate area of the field. That's why he's hitting those. Uh, his um, his tight window throw percentage uh, last week was like 8.3%. For the full season, he's around 20%, and no quarterback should be around 20%. Um, those are like rookies and really bad quarterbacks, but I s- still think we do see some um, – there's a, still a part of Mitch Trubisky that still wants to throw uh, that very tightly uh, contested pass that he shouldn't. There was still a, there was a throw uh, last week where uh, he threw uh, a ball that should have been an open intermediate, but he waited a little long and the safety was mm-hmm. just able to break on it. And he created a tight window throw on his own because of his timing and decision-making. So I still think there's too much of that Mitch Trubisky there. And I think when you look at, you know, the, the Shanahan, McVay, Stefanski, that that type of system that's so heavily reliant on play action uh, you can work whatever quarterback you want really to be in there we saw what you know Kyle Shanahan did with Nick Mullins uh, earlier in the season so the fact that you can take Mitch Trubisky to be whatever he was at the beginning of the season to be what he is now I think that's probably shows more about the system than the quarterback so um yeah I guess if you want to bring him back on a one-year deal sure but I think if you do that you uh, 
bring you up the percentage or the likelihood that they're just going to be like, say that Mitch is fine. I think we kind of see that with what Jared Goff is right now. I don't know if you're hoping for Jared Goff. Like if you're hoping Mitch Trubisky turns into Jared Goff, are you really doing yourself a a service at at quarterback? I don't think so. And I think if you bring him back, that kind of just ups the likelihood. I think just if you completely start over do that but for what they're going to look at at week 17 yeah the Packers are starting to figure some things out on defense for a while their defensive line just wasn't doing it you had uh Zedaria Smith was doing okay but they're you know they were doing weird things with Preston Smith I guess there were some effort issues with Preston Smith they were dropping him into coverage like 50 percent of the time and that's probably not what Preston Smith should be doing, but Rashawn Gary now is starting to uh, figure out some of his uh, pass rush moves along the defensive line. He's turning some of that raw athleticism into something that can actually attack the quarterback. So their, their defensive line is, is working a, a lot more. I think that's going to uh, put a lot of stress on the bears and that secondary is working well for where it is, you know, Jair Alexander is still one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. Adrian Amos is playing really well uh, in the back end. Darn Savage is doing that also. So they're having a lot of pieces that are finally starting to click. Um, and so I, I think that in, in Green Bay still has to, they do still have to win for that, for that one seed. So it's not like uh, they're, they're going to be letting up here. So I, I don't see how, how the Bears can stay close, even with uh, the, the relative success they've been having over the past couple of weeks. Because so yeah, like you said, the Packers are just so much better than anyone they've played over that stretch. And just, uh, you know, uh, pointing out to the numbers, but Green Bay, first half of the year on an EPA per play basis, eliminating garbage time, they were 24th in the NFL in EPA defense. And in the last eight weeks, they're sixth best in the NFL. So, uh, and while having the number one offense too, <laughs> that helps. So um, they've really become a, you know, a much better defense. I mean, like I said, with that offense, you just want to be average. That's kind of the goal. So they played uh, way above their heads, um, at least the last handful of weeks. So, um, you know, they're, they're obviously uh, the number one seed probably for a reason. And then the Bears defense has gone from ninth best to 16th. And it's probably even worse if you isolate it to just the last like four or five games against some, you know, pretty bad offenses. So, you know, I, I think Green Bay has their way here for sure. Um, and uh, look, if Mitch Trubisky somehow pulls this out and wins this game, he probably deserves a, you know, a short extension. So. Um, that will be that'll be a fun game. I always love to see uh, the Green Bay Chicago rivalry, especially with a meaningful game like this. Um, so uh, that's definitely one that's going to be on my radar. Um, I mean, is there? We should probably hit on the the AFC playoff situation. If you guys have any thoughts, um, you know, between the the I mean, the the final couple spots are just all up for grabs between the Ravens, the Browns, Colts, Titans, and uh, Dolphins. Um, I mean, my Browns are. Uh, over 10 point favorites against the Steelers team sitting everybody, although they've got all these COVID issues, you know, if there's one franchise and one team that could blow this, it's the Browns. So I will just say from a potential, you know, I had mentioned all those, you know, that's another team that, you know, the Browns as 10 and a half point favorites easily could lose. If you want to add that to the, you know, the, my Houston call uh, as, as, you know, potential upsets, you know, the Steelers are going to sit a lot of guys, but Brown's team is just, you know, they've got issues on the offensive line. You know, the wide receivers should be back. They're, they're all their linebackers are essentially out with, with COVID. Um, you know, it's, it's a big deal. And you can have Mason Rudolph in his, you know, quote unquote revenge game against Miles Garrett. 
Um, you know, who knows what he can do, but all the receivers are going to play because um, he can't sit and They everybody. can't sit the whole receiver core. <laughs> exactly. They can't sit everybody. So, you know, maybe they get the run game going against this linebacker core. So I, I clearly would not lay the points here. Um, with oh, the- no. Um, you know, I would look at them and, you know, Miami just keeps on, oh my God, that crazy ending last week against the Raiders. Like they somehow keep winning. I mean, I, I look, I mapped it out. Uh, the Dolphins with Tua are averaging two, two points per, per drive this year with, with Fitz. It's, it's two and a half. I mean, that's, a, uh, there's typically 10 drives per game for, for Miami. That's what they're averaging. I mean, that's a five point offensive swing between the two guys. And I just can't imagine why, you keep starting too. I mean, I understand for the future, but I mean, you've got a chance to make the playoffs here. And with that defense, I mean, you might be able to win a game or two. I mean, why not just start Fitzpatrick here this week in a must win? Um, it boggles my mind. Like, I, I don't know what Buffalo is going to do in terms of sitting guys. I and mean, the line really jumped or, you know, uh, plummeted uh, from about four and a half to one and a half earlier in the week. So sounds like the, the, the Bills are going to sit some guys. I mean, I would look at the first half. If you think – I mean, two is going to start, and if you think the, the, the Bills might play their starters a quarter or something, I would look at the, the first half potentially uh, if you're going to take that game. Um, otherwise, I think the Ravens roll. Um, I think the Colts, like I said before, I think they win, but I think it's a little bit closer than people think. They might get a, a little bit of a scare just because it's the NFL and weird things happen. Um, but I think at the end, I think all the favorites um, will win. Um, I think that's the best bet. And um, you know, that would mean, I think that means the Colts would be eliminated, right? If, if all the yeah. favorites, so that's probably how it's going to go. But, you know, again, keep an eye on that Houston Tennessee game that might change everything. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just the fact that the, the Steelers and, and Bills, I think signals point to them not playing everybody kind of takes a little luster from the AFC side. I think a lot of people were kind of earmarking the Buffalo, you know, Buffalo beating Miami as being the game that would open the door back up for, you know, things to happen. And, you know, a lot of people are just expecting the Buffalo side to not play their guys the full game. Last year in week 17, Josh Allen played seven snaps. I think he's going after a couple Buffalo records that they might try to get early in the game. Uh, and then, but with the Steelers already tipping their hand, I don't think Buffalo really is kind of pressing. And also, I just don't know. We don't know just this year in totality, teams really care about the seeding as much, especially in the AFC where you really don't know who your opponent's going to be you know, kind of uh, with, with some other things in motion between all these other teams. So with the Steelers kind of already saying, well, we're not going to pursue a two seed because even if we win, Buffalo would have to lose. And we're just not going to go that route because we haven't had a, a bye the entire season. So we're going to rest some of our key pieces and Buffalo kind of seeing that hand being tipped and saying, yeah, well, we can go after a couple of our records, bench our guys. We'll still get the two seed. Don't have to play the Chiefs until the AFC Championship if it comes to that. Get two home games if we win, uh, you know, with the first round of the playoffs. And it just kind of has taken away some of the steam from the AFC side a little bit. Uh, now maybe Buffalo just plays their guys the whole game and they go hard and, you know, they give Miami a, you know, a full on game or Miami has to come back. Cause I mean, Miami as good as a story as they've been, like that's an average football team. And it's a good, it's positive that they're an average football team. They're ahead of schedule being an average football team. Uh, but like, they're not, they're not as good as the Colts. Like they, I mean, if they get in, uh, so I mean, them, them getting in, like I said, just kind of takes a little bit, I think, of the, the steam away. I mean, yeah, they should have lost that game outright last week. Uh, they have what one, one quality win against the Rams this year, maybe two if you count Arizona. It's, it's a great story. I know Brian Flores is probably going to get his way into coach of the year now, especially if they, you know, get this other, they get into the playoffs as a default of a team resting starters. Cause I don't think that any of us believe they beat Buffalo straight up. Uh, 
So, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, it's a good story, I guess, for, you know, Brian Flores and Dolphins fans. They've made, they're ahead of schedule. Uh, but I don't believe that they are even as good as the Colts. Yeah. And by the way, you brought up something interesting with the incentive with Josh Allen. I mean, pay attention. And, and I did see a thread earlier, and I'll try to retweet it. Anthony um, Amico tweeted yeah, like an incentive thread. Smart, because you saw Mike Evans. Um, I saw – I mean, I didn't watch the second half of that Tampa-Detroit game. I had – I had Tampa, I had Tampa's 32 team total over and it hit in the first half, so I turned it off. But they were throwing the ball with Blank Gabbard in the fourth quarter up a million to, to Mike Evans over and over. I was like, what is going on? And then I saw that they were trying to get him, you know, that thousand, was it a thousand yards? Like they're trying to do everything they can to get him. It looked um, dead a couple of weeks ago, but he's got back to back. He basically has 300 yards the last two games. Yeah, because they kept throwing to him in the fourth quarter for no reason. So pay attention to that, both from a, um, you know, DFS standpoint, I think is huge. I think from a prop standpoint, that's something I'm going to pay attention to is, you know, who needs what and who's going to be incentivized to really like force feed targets and things like that. You know, obviously in games where, you know, teams don't necessarily need to win. So pay attention to that stuff because I think that's going to matter. And um, I don't know, Rich, do you have any, I'm curious personally, you know, from a DFS perspective um, with these week 17 uh, games, is there any, you have any advice, anything that you kind of notice specific to week 17 versus other weeks? Obviously, it's almost kind of like a preseason week when you look at some of these games. But, you know, any like tips on uh, things to look for strategy wise in a week 17? Is, it, is there certain games that really turn out to be, you know, kind of bigger winners than others or you know, anything we can glean from that? Well, you just look for kind of like uh, you just kind of they call it the information week is what it, I don't know how it, it, it evolved into that because it's like preseason, like you said, where you're just looking for one of these cheap guys is just going to get like a ton of opportunity. Uh, I brought up the Rex Burkhead game a few years ago, you know, week 17, Rex Burkhead was a nice guy. And, and Niall Davis know. had a big week, I think, for the Chiefs. Um, yeah, there was a, um, a, a Saints player two years ago, too. Uh, his name was eluding me that played for the Lions, too, before. Maybe Dan can remember me as a running back. The, the same thing you know just these guys that are just going to get the workload we've already seen a couple situations shake out ty johnson uh for the jets is basically you know he's not min price at both sites but he's pretty cheap on both sites we know that they're not going to have frank gore they're not going to have michael p ryan so he's going to be out there adam gates is always going to give the ball to his running backs he's giving it to him no matter what the game script's been all year the patriots haven't good against the run either he can catch the ball so he's a guy that like is just going to be out there a ton uh we already know like boone last year Right, Mike Boone was. Yeah, Mike Boone, week seventeen. They that situation has gotten a little muddier because Alexander Madison did come back yesterday with the concussion um, in practice. So we'll probably have both those guys involved uh, to some degree. Um, I mean, you've got this Bills situation that we talked about. So the Bills are not going to have Cole Beasley. Like he's just not going to play. He's already out. And week to week, we've seen them already maybe potentially bringing Kenny Stills because of that injury. Uh, Stephon Diggs, because of the situation he's in, that he might not play the full game. And then John Brown hasn't been active, you know, for the past six weeks. Why would they just have him active and up for a full week 17 game? So a guy like Gabriel Davis, who's already starting, he's just going to play the whole game and just be out there. Even if it's Matt Barkley, like you're still going to get like targets and like for like where he's priced. Like, so that's really all it is. It's like, you're just looking to see like some of these cheap guys who's just going to get the most opportunity and then push those guys in with your core guys, like in your core games where, you know, like the games are going to go all out like this Titans Texans game. Like, you know, you use that game as a core base, filling these fringe guys around that, uh, that could really have some upside and just play for opportunity. Cause that's really going to be the name of the game in week 17, because so many guys are either going to 
be chasing records or chasing league, you know, leading. Like Calvin Ridley's a guy too. Like he's got a chance to backdoor the receiving lead with Travis Kelsey probably sitting, Stephon Diggs maybe not playing a full game, and Hopkins facing Ramsey. Like, you know, a guy like Calvin Ridley who's just been getting fed targets is just another. You just go in week seventeen and say, listen, they're just gonna keep throwing to this guy. Uh, and he gave the Bucks a, a world of problems the past two the two weeks ago, anyways. Uh, so yeah, you're just looking for opportunity and trying gotcha. to just read the, the beat reports and look for these injuries. Yeah, and that thread you were talking about before, it ties into that. So Justin Herbert, for example, he needs 340 yards, passing yards for the rookie record. Like, I mean, I'm sure just going to throw the ball 50 times on the backup, you know, the backups for the Chiefs. Like, that could be – he might be a guy who really shines. So, you know, even from, like I said, from a prop perspective and, you know, for DFS, that's something to look forward to. Yeah, but. definitely the prop side, I think, too, there's incentive for a lot of that stuff and to see if they're just – you catch some low lines uh, – you know, Josh Jacobs is like, there's a ton of running backs that are just short of a thousand yards. And like, we know like inherently like a thousand yards doesn't mean what it did when we grew up as kids, like a, the big stigma it was, uh, it's lost, lost, but like players and stuff still care about that stuff. And, you know, some, well, it's in their contract. <laughs> yeah. Those are, those yeah. are, it's yeah. kind of laughable because they're kind of weird. Like why are you picking 1000 or, you know, but those are, those round numbers are yep, in just the- arbitrary, but <laughs> yeah. So yeah, for sure. I mean, the Mike Evans one is cool because it's, it's literally something that no player's done in league, in, in league history. And, he's, and they got him within 40 yards. Like, they're getting him those 40 yards. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So that is uh, definitely something to watch as we look at whatever we're trying to figure out in the week uh, 17 games. I hope we kind of uh, gave uh, some sort of uh, clarity to what uh, we might be looking for and what uh, you could potentially be looking for as we hit uh, this very strange, uh, probably one of the stranger week 17s of a week that's already weird. I think uh, this year, especially pro- probably getting the uh, the weirdest week 17 we could uh, possibly get. So I think we're going to uh, end this show here. Um, you can find Rich on Twitter at or Reeves. You can uh, read all of his work on sharp football analysis during the playoffs. All of that is going to be free. As we said uh, up at the top, you can read uh, his week 17 worksheet. If you are looking for some of those uh, fantasy insights uh, for week 17, you can find TA on Twitter at Cleve TA. You can find his betting preview at Sherp Football Analysis. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. I'd like to thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.